Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beeky. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode nine of season three of This Osteopathic Life. Today, I'd like to talk with you about time and all the different ways that we associate with that word, with that concept, with that experience of what it means to be on time, of what on time even is, what the right time might be, and the ways that we manage our time, that we notice our time, that we waste our time. Think of all those different associations that come up. And I'll start with this weekend. And just recently, when we came through daylight savings time, and we can discuss the impact of that. I've been working with different programs all across the country, and it's fascinating to me that in some spaces and places, the time changes, and then sometimes it doesn't. So sometimes you're one hour different, or zero hours different, or two, and then three, and how that can shift, right? Noticing what time it is in different places around the world. I think about that with our friends who have moved to New Zealand in this time, and with a coach with whom I work who is you know, 14 hours away. And so it's a totally different time of day and sometimes a totally different day when we are engaging. And I can remember, interestingly, how time has shown up around the deliveries of my children. And for my oldest, and perhaps I've shared this story on the podcast, but I'll give a quick summary of it. You know, I love numbers and we're here on 4-4 and I love those dueling numbers, right? Somewhat because it's helpful in the places of the world where the month comes first and then the day versus the day and then the month. There's no confusion here, right? It's the same for both of us. We can know what we're saying in the right order. And for me, my wedding anniversary is on 11-11 and we talked a little bit about that piece. But my oldest was coming into being on the 5th of May, right, 5-5. And it was a relatively lengthy experience. And where I was in the birth center, which I just recently learned was torn down in that evolution of time and that experience of when it's no longer time, right, for a space to serve the purpose for which it was originally built. But in that room, 117, in the corner, this luxurious room in the birth center where I had worked and spent many hours as a student, as an intern, as a resident, and in this moment, right, as a mother-to-be, and I was watching the wall clock, which was, you know, keeping its own time. And I was watching the little hand and the big hand. <laughs> and sometimes it would seem like they were moving very slowly. And other times that so much time had passed and yet no baby had emerged. But just as he was being delivered, I glanced up at the clock. And the hands on the clock pointed to eleven eleven, And I thought, wow, for all of that, look at this beautiful moment. When on 5-5, he was born at eleven eleven. Although for me, I generally use military time and it was PM, so it really was 2311. But in any case, we could look at that 
and the clock on the monitor where the nurse was taking her notes and you know that shows the strip the fetal heart rate monitor read 1109 and that one was recorded on the birth certificate and I really thought come on you know I watched that clock for a really long time and it said 1111 like can we just at least have this and our agreement was that the official birth certificate did reflect the computer that was in the medical record but for me and for my son and for the witnesses in the room with me, we agreed that 1111 was showing on the hands, on the clock, on the wall. And that one does show up in his birth story. So we bring that forward. And he can decide when he does his different charts which birth time he chooses to use. But it was a special moment in any case. He was born in the 11th evening hour regardless in that space. And then my daughter, on the other hand, if we look at timing was due on the 2nd of November, but labor began on the 25th of October, and having had 5-5 and then 5-15 as birth dates for my sons, and having made this concession that she wasn't to be a May baby, I thought, okay, 10-25, right? That fits the pattern of these multiples of five. We can work with this. And it was in the early evening hours that labor began, but her middle brother was born very quickly. There was no looking at any clocks for that one. And so I thought, this will be fine. We'll definitely get this done, you know, before midnight. Lo and behold, she had other ideas. And so 35 minutes past the hour into the 26th of October, she was delivered. And that was her birthday. But as I texted those friends, who I mentioned now have moved many, many time zones away, but at the moment were just two hours earlier than us. I thought, wait, as I texted them, right, this announcement of this delivery. And I said, but it's still the 25th where they are, right? So how could I manipulate the birth certificate in that space? But I didn't. But just noticing how time comes up. And absolutely, each of them, all three of them, right, arrived right on time. And so today, we were talking about this weekend, I didn't have a whole lot scheduled, right? It is the end of our two-week spring break. It is Easter Sunday. It is the end of Passover. And so this is generally a day of respite, of family engagement. For me, looking back, this was often the day growing up that I was in Florida with my cousins who lived there. And we had these massive Easter egg hunts and we went to church and we dressed up in fancy dresses and often were celebrating the birthdays of my cousin and my aunt in that space. And so noticing what this day is designated for, and it's different for different people. But in any case, this weekend had a few appointments scheduled, which is a welcome experience. And so yesterday, I decided to not track time, right? I didn't have anywhere to be at any specific time, and I didn't have any requirements, any engagements. And so what that meant was I could spend my time as I wished. And what an interesting statement, right? Spend my time, invest my time, claim my time, take my time. Look at all the ways we can engage with it. And so what unfolded was a walkabout. And my daughter, right, who chose her birthday very intentionally, and it matches completely her personality, we decided to have a wander about town. And I took our trusty bike trailer, which has spanned the width of time and many time zones and many miles with us. And we took supplies and we took books and we took a blanket and we took some refreshments and we took our time, right? Very leisurely all through town, accumulating steps 
I'm in a steps challenge with the group to look at non-planned exercise and how it can contribute to our health. And it's always fun to track the data, but it wasn't about pacing, right? It's just accumulation of steps over whatever volume of time transpires. And interestingly, earlier in the day, I took a run and I wasn't counting those steps because those were planned exercise, but because the run was quicker and I went on a speed-based run, I was for time because I was trying to navigate improving my time with running, I took many fewer steps. (laughs) And so interestingly, if you're moving more quickly, you are taking fewer steps. And so actually, right, the purpose of accumulating steps for the challenge is actually beneficial when it takes me longer to accumulate them, right? So if I'm going to walk this certain distance, I actually get more steps out of the deal if I'm moving more slowly. Isn't that fascinating, right? The opportunities that emerge when we shift the time in which we engage with a certain activity. So in any case, we wandered about and it was the absolutely perfect day to wander about with no reference to time. It was sunny, but it was in the high 50s, so it wasn't hot. But if you were really in the sun, it was plenty warm. Warm enough to sit on the beach with just a light sweatshirt on and to check out all that was around us. And so that was how the day unfolded. And quite a lot of time elapsed while we were out there. And it felt both leisurely and luxurious. And there was no pressure. There was no finish line to when we had to return home. And when we did, then there was still time available because there was no expectation on it. And what a different experience, right? What a different experience to not have this requirement of where you have to be when. And absolutely, I recognize that as a luxury, as a privilege, as a rare opportunity, and totally embrace it. Now, as I think about time, as we head back towards school after two weeks of being off, and the way our time schedule has shifted, because I do see, right, the tendency of my progeny to have a more night owl tendency if left to their own devices. And that has happened, right? We have morphed our time schedule to staying up later and waking later because, right, there was nowhere specific to be at any particular time, really, over these last two weeks for our children. And so I thought yesterday, oh my, right, how are we going to adapt to this new awake time as we come toward the week? And my daughter, in all her brilliance, just said, well, we'll just get up at that new time and we'll get out of bed and we'll eat our breakfast and we'll brush our teeth and we'll get dressed. Very matter of fact, right? And we could make it a really big deal and we can certainly support, right? Scooting back that time tonight to facilitate an earlier waking because sleep is important to our health, but also noticing that it could be that simple, right? We just change the time that we wake up. And let's look at that for a moment. And I'm curious how it is for you. So do you wake and take a lot of time? Do you invest a lot of time? Do you embrace the opportunity for much time to get into your day? Do you have a morning routine? How much time elapses between the time you open your eyes right, and elevate yourself from the pillow and get out of bed and have to be at your first obligation? And I marvel at the fact with appreciation that in my family, there's a lot of time in that space. And that's my thought about it, right? That's my uh, opinion. That's my perception. But it is almost 
you know, nearly two hours, I would say, between the waking and the being somewhere. And I have to admit, I relate to this extremely minimally. So for me growing up, I woke up with the least amount of time necessary between when I got out of bed and had to be somewhere, right? And that was reflected in some tardiness, you know, in getting to school and detentions that ensued for multiple tardies, which began somewhat not of my own accord initially because of some conflicts of scheduling with my transportation to school. But then I certainly lived into that and it was almost a game, right? How, how much time, you know, how little time can I take to get ready and be somewhere? And that can be extremely frustrating, right? If other people have different values on the margins that they like around that space. But I think about it, you know, and there's music on and the lights are low and there's time for reading and eating and casual conversation and preparation. And I always think, wow, right? what is it like to have this much time between when you wake up and when you have to, we could say, right, but we admit to choosing to be anywhere, even when it does seem like a responsibility or an obligation. And so there's that experience of time. And I will say in my adult life, it's shifted some, but I tend to run shorter margins, right? Thinking I'm going to get more done in the time that I have and then reflecting, is that true, right? Is that actually what happens? Is that a perception? Is there a way to bridge the gap between those and harness the times when we are more expeditious, the times when we are leisurely and seeing what energy it takes with us into the day, right? How do we feel when we've taken that wide expanse and how do we feel when we have demonstrated maximal efficiency with our time? And as we continue this discussion and exploration, I think about time as it emerges and how it feels. In the experience of parenting, where we talk about the days are long, but the years being short, and you'll have these statements, encouragements, commands, sometimes, if you will, to enjoy every moment because it will go so fast. And what if we simply notice right, how time is in the moment? You know, what does that feel like? to just be where we are in this moment. And over these two weeks, one of the activities we find ourselves doing is looking back at old pictures or videos, right? And there is a way we're engaging with the expanse of time over a week, a month, a year, right? And many of us have had these year memories come up, many comments on how much longer anyone's hair is now, you know, after a year without haircuts in the midst of a pandemic, then five years, 10 years, looking back to times when someone was not born yet, you know, when a sibling or a cousin was not yet there because we've gone beyond right before the time when they emerged onto this physical plane. And how it feels to reflect on that and notice how much has changed, to see those things that haven't, like those consistencies in our personality, in our behavior, in our interaction that show up no matter what age we are, what stage we're in. And so we've seen time emerge in that way. I think about the two ways we can film outside of real time on our phones, right? We have the slow-mo option 
and the time lapse option. And I was just sharing with a friend who is required to stay home with her family over this next week, ways to entertain themselves. And as I tracked back over those years of memories in my phone, so many, right, with that little triangle, and we see the slow-mo videos and the time-lapse videos. And what's it like to engage with each of those? So thinking about the slow-mo videos and noticing the detail that comes through that we often miss. So we'll think about using a slow-mo video, for example, for training, right, for weightlifting, because you can see the form, you can see details, you can give direction that you can't always capture in real time. You might not notice it. It allows you to have a more in-depth analysis of what's happening, right? And it can lead to comedy, right, in certain videos. You might think about dancing in slow-mo or making silly faces or certain events that show up differently because we have stretched time out, right? We have slowed it down. We have captured it in real time, but then we've played it back with this different traction of the time experience. And are there times in your life that you have been able to look back and stretch it out and space it out and see those details that perhaps you didn't capture in real time? And you may not have the video track for this, but you have that video track of your mind and your own experience, or perhaps someone else's perspective when you take that moment to reflect and say, wow, what just happened here? You know, let's parse it out. Let's get into the details. Let's share with one another what we heard, right? Getting a bit of a 360 analysis if multiple people are involved in a situation. They can say, well, this was my experience and this was mine. And together you fill in these details that you might have missed when you were in the heat of the moment, right? in the thick of the action. And seeing how that slow-mo capacity provides you insight and some clarity on what it is. And also noticing you probably wouldn't want to engage at that rate for a long time, right? You wouldn't want that to be your rate of natural exchange, but it can be a useful tool as you go forward. And then what about the time-lapse model, where you can see back 30 minutes in 30 seconds. And of course, my reference here again is going to be to training. So we would time-lapse record a workout and you could see all the different movements and the transitions and it would look amazing, right? The speed with which you're doing pull-ups and burpees and squats and running and it would go so fast. And one comical moment for me was on the assault bike. So the old school looking bikes with the big fan wheel and the moving arms, right? And this is kind of my albatross, a bit of my Achilles heel, (laughs) my kryptonite, if you will, in the gym. And I always run right around like 60 reps per minute, usually a little bit under, but that's when I'm trying to work hard. That's where I get, right? I just don't have that capacity or not yet, right? I, don't, I haven't captured that just yet. It's not my strength. But the funny part is on a time-lapse video, it then looks like I'm not moving at all because that's also the rate of speed of this clip. It's kind of turning it up so that you get, you know, 60 seconds in one second. And so you don't see any movement. It's just me sitting still on the bike for the workout. That's an aside, but thinking about what it means to take this broader experience and then compress it, right? And to see all that you've done in that workout in a much more manageable amount of time. And this has happened to me before where I thought I was recording in time-lapse 
And then it was real time. And I'm thinking, okay, no one is going to want to look at a 30 minute video of me training. They might tolerate the 30 second video, right? And it's more fun. It's more engaging, but they don't necessarily want that real time. They want the summary, right? And that is how we consume a lot of things. And we could think that's problematic, but it can also be useful. It can be facilitating and it's a tool. And I wonder how often you have this experience. So the opposite of that slow-mo, right, where you dig back deep and you stretch it out and you really listen in between the words. But what about the times when you look back and say, whoa, look at all that has happened, right? And look at all of this. And how about celebrating the success in that space or even the growth or the progression? We might have different opinions on what counts as success, but we could see the change that happens when we get that time lapse, right? When I span back, excuse me, scan back through my photos, and see the five years, right? I might not look at every photo and I'm not gonna look at it in the rate that it happened because that would take me another five years. But in that time-lapse version, I can appreciate all the growth that has happened, right? The maturing that has happened with my children, the shifts that have happened in my own personal and professional life, the things that have unfolded and evolved. And so that time-lapse can be a fantastic tool to utilize. Now for me, and maybe for you, as you're listening to this right now, I use a time-lapse version when I am listening to things. So I often listen at 1.5 to 2.0, and usually 1.5, 1.7, occasionally 2.0. I rarely listen to things at 1.0 or real-time speed. And we could talk about whether that's good, bad, or otherwise, whether it shifts the rate at which I'm talking to you. If you are listening to this in the 1.0 speed, And it does allow me to consume the information at a faster rate, right? So I can get through a book more quickly. A podcast doesn't take as long as it's predicted to. And you could also say, well, are you missing something by not listening to it in real time? And I could say perhaps. But interestingly, I am almost uncomfortable. And we could talk about this, or I'm open to the analysis of this. When I am listening at 1.0 speed, so for example, on our recent travels, my children and I were trying to decide on a book to listen to in the car and we're having some issues with uploading whilst on the road. And I listened to the podcast, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. And if you don't, I highly, highly recommend it. The kind of entire first iteration was just completed last week, but they're beginning again with a new co-host and beginning with book one. So you can join in there, but you can also listen back to the historical episodes. And I listened to that as with most podcasts, at 1.5. And so actually, this is how I know the voice of these podcasters, Casper Turkile and Vanessa Zoltan. And so I tried to listen to it at 1.0 because my children always say, how do you even know what they're saying You know, when you're listening to this? And I couldn't, right? Their voices didn't register with me at that 1.0 speed. And I think, what would you do in a live setting? And I do think there's something different about being live and direct and in that full immersive experience. But when I'm listening to these podcasts as I walk or as I train, it flows in that rate. And my brain processes it at that rate. And that is how I'm familiar. Right? This is how their voices are known to me. The rate of their laughter. Thinking about that, right? That's how it registers in my brain. And so just seeing how the engagement shifts. My sister offered to me a recommendation of a Jimmy Carter book. And she said, you probably want to speed him up. And actually, his, I slowed down more than my usual audiobooks. And so it's fascinating what resonates, right? What frequency 
makes the most sense to your brain, to your heart, to your energy, to your understanding, and seeing how you can engage. And we do have this capacity to shift time in that way, bearing in mind that when in person, we do not, right? And so I also recognize when I am in person, how does that feel? How do I show up? Can I listen, right, at 1.0, live time speed? Can I grant people that space between their words and hear their laughter and its real speed and be with them on that emotional level? And my answer is yes, right? The energetic frequency exchange happens in real time on that level. And so then what about being on time? And this idea of being behind being late or late to the game comes up a lot. And it could come on a micro scale in that moment, right? Me arriving to school. And I can think about the inconvenience it created for my teachers and for the administration and for my own learning, for my classmates, seeing the interruptivity and some work, some room to grow there. Absolutely. What about on time in a bigger scheme? All right. So I talked about the deliveries of my children and that they all arrived right on time. But what about in your visioning of where you are in your life and where you expect it to be and noticing that the concept of on time really is related to an expectation? I should have accomplished this by now. I should have been here, visited this, seen them, done this, graduated, gotten this degree, made this amount of money. All of these different expectations and qualifiers of what should have happened at this time in our lives and noticing where those expectations come from. So are they yours? Did you have them? Are they written in a journal I shared with you recently where what it was like to go back through some historical journals? Did you have that laid out for you? Like this expectation, this pathway painted from long ago in your life? How did it evolve? What were the influencing factors on that? Is it an expectation from someone else, someone perhaps personal, a relationship, someone who's close to you, or broadly, right, society's expectations that you go to school for this many years and you get a degree by this age and you're married in this time and you have children at this time in your life and you're financially secure by here and all of these different ways in which we expect ourselves to be and behave. Right? What are the external expectations that are driving that? And then when you do or don't meet them, what is that experience like? How do you celebrate it if you do get there, right? Do you take that moment and do you really own it and honor it and experience appreciation for all that you did to contribute for what it's like to reach that point? And if you don't, do you berate yourself? Do you lament it? Do you spend time in regret? Do you reshape what that format could look like? Do you move the target? You say, okay, yes, I still agree that that goal is important to me. I'm not there by this date that has been chosen arbitrarily by me, by others. I've agreed to, maybe you've signed a contract or maybe you've just internally, mentally signed a contract with yourself or the universe to arrive somewhere at a particular time. And you can see that that task, that achievement is still important to you, still worth pursuing, but that the time didn't quite map out. And so you extend it, right? So you move that timeline and you can do so from an encouraging place. We're on the path. Right? We being you and the you that you're agreeing with. And then you move toward it and you allow for there to be a wider margin of what that time might be. 
And then recognize as well that there is no perfect time, right? The right time is the time that you are arriving. And you might say, well, no, right? Because if there's a certain time and this train is leaving at this time, I got to be there at this particular time. Perhaps, I'm not saying we don't take practical measures and I was very discerning with you early on that finding that margin of on-time arrival for the start of the day is one that I still work on. It is getting better. It is getting better, likely through the influence of my family, who does arrive with a much wider margin than I ever have. But at the same point, there's also the idea that right, when you're arriving is the time that you were meant to get there. Just like with my children and their initial arrival happening at precisely the right time, even though it didn't match my particular expectation. And what does it mean, perhaps, if you missed that train? Right? We talk about sliding door moments. And perhaps that wasn't the train you were meant to be on. And you could say, well, of course it wasn't because I'm not on it. Right? And that's the approach I can take. And so reflecting on some of those instances when maybe you weren't on time, according to whatever measurement you had, your expectations or others or a certain timetable, a certain schedule, and how can you look at it and say, of course, of course it wasn't the time I was there because this was happening and this came through and this was the broader experience and I see that perspective, right? So I have this panorama, either in the time-lapse version or the slow-mo version, I can see the details or I can see the grand scheme of how that all unfolded. And so as you visit the ideas of time, on time, in time, march in time, all of it. What can you embrace and how can you support yourself and see that time is a manner in which we interact with ourselves, with the world around us, how we track our progress, how we see right the generations of our family, of our world, right? Time has so many different relationships and iterations and ways to connect us. Time can also be a disconnector, and we have the option of how we choose to engage and interact with time. And so as you listen here, I thank you for your time, whether it's at one speed or maybe half, if you've ever taken a moment right, to get that slow-mo experience in the listening or watching space. It can be quite entertaining, whether it's speeded up a bit to meet your needs and to match your energetic frequency and to see how time is available to you, how it doesn't have to seem this finite, limited, scarce resource and that you have the opportunity to engage with it and embrace it, utilize it, learn from it in all kinds of ways. So I thank you for your time today. I thank you for all the time you've spent listening to these episodes. And we'll talk about time invested, time claimed, time enriched, perhaps, rather than just spent. In any case, this is Dr. Amelia Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.